From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 133, and today I am joined once again by Jessica Greco. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast a few times, you've probably had an episode with Jessica on it. She's a Toronto actor who's been in lots of stuff, including this upcoming mysterious next Netflix series that I don't even know the title to. But you can also check out her work online with this amazing web series she's created called Jessica Jessica. It's, it's coming out soon, but the, the initial short is up there. And we're going to sit down and watch a scary movie together. It's actually not scary, this one. But I think you can kind of put it into the horror category, maybe. I'm reaching because it's also coming out around Halloween. So we're sitting down to watch The Terminator. The first one. The first one. Well, that, you haven't seen any of them, right? No, I've seen Terminator 2. Oh! Boom! Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Greco has seen a movie! That's okay. That's interesting that... Well, Terminator 2 is phenomenal. I agree. Do you remember it? Um... It's funny because I my the first time I saw it, my very best friend Eva Kolajewski, shout out to Eva Kolajewski, we were uh, day camp together. We were like twelve or thirteen, and she like enacted the whole movie while I watched it because she knew it verbatim. So she stood beside the television and like acted out all of the parts in the movie while I watched it for the first time. So that's also my dog hacking up in the oh, background. Oh yeah. And we didn't introduce you. I'm oh, Jeremy. No. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this movie many times. I'm Jessica. I've never seen this movie. As you already gathered, but yeah. I just wanted to, not that I haven't already done an intro for Jessica, but you know, that's and we and I think it's pretty clear whose voices are whose. Anyway, we did the thing. <laughs> uh, and I had to excuse my dog who's Is he okay? He's fine. Is he though? He just makes noises. <laughs> Okay. She's okay. Sorry, so your friend was acting out the movie? She reenacted the entire movie in real time while I watched it at her house. I had a friend that could have his back to Tim Burton's Batman, the first one. Mm -hmm. A classic. Yeah. He could, like, mouth the movie in perfect time while it was playing behind him without looking at the screen. This was essentially what Eva was doing. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, off-putting and and delightful. (laughs) I was so impressed because she was just this tiny little curly-haired bespeckled Jewish girl from Thornhill who was like doing all of the Terminator dialogue. even more fun. Yeah. But but just two. Just two. Could she do one? I didn't. I don't know. Can you find out? I will. Are you still in touch with this woman? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like I talked to her today. Great. Could you let her know you're going to watch Terminator? No, I didn't. So you watched it because your friend loved the movie, I yeah. assume? Yeah, this is how I see all movies, clearly. But you liked it. Yes, and never loved felt, it. And never felt the need to go back and watch the first one. No, I mean, let's remember what Terminator 2 was, right? Like, it was a real apex in terms of uh, technology at the time. Like, oh, yeah. It was huge. And so when I saw even just stills from the first one, it looked so hokey comparatively to 12-year-old me. Yeah, I don't remember it being hokey in the terms like they're not trying to do the stuff the second movie does. No, but at the time I was just so enamored with the technology that it, to go back and see the the origin story, I didn't need it. They built Terminator 2 as a film that I didn't really need to know. I mean, I know that Sarah Connor has a son. <laughs> yeah. I know that But you uh, know that in the first one too. I know that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the good guy in Terminator 2, but was the bad guy in Terminator 1. That was what I was curious yeah. if you knew that or not. Yeah, I know that. Because he's been, like, basically he's been a, a good guy since the first one. Since after the first one, I should say. Right. Um, and I was, because I was going to say, if you hadn't seen T2, uh, which I'm delighted that you have. Judgment Day. No, no, no. I was going to say that, you know, if you're going to go watch Dark Fate, I'm pretty sure you can skip over all the other movies after Terminator 2 and just go into Dark Fate. 
Yeah, I don't even know if I will go see Dark Fate. Actually, you know what? I probably will because Linda Hamilton is a boss. I've what I've heard about Dark Fate, because um, some early press has come out that it's like they're like, oh, this is why the other Terminator movies haven't really worked because this isn't ter- this isn't Arnold's franchise. This is Linda's. Yes, yes. So it's really interesting. But so what's going to be fascinating for you is watching this first one because. She's a very different Sarah Connor in this Terminator. Well, I assume that her experiences in the first movie, Terminator, is what makes her this like hardcore badass for Terminator 2. Like she had to survive something yeah. to become the hero of Terminator 2 and the rest of the franchise. Yeah, it's a very it's, it's a really great arc over the course of these movies for her because, you know, not to say she starts off as the damsel, but she's kind of the damsel in the first one, right? Okay. Um, not to give too much away, you'll figure that out in three seconds. Uh, When was this movie made? I want to say it was, I gotta represent me, I want to say it was 81, but it's going to be in and around, 84. 84. 84. I was but a wee one. Me too. So were you, yeah. Yeah, we were teeny. So yeah, I saw, you know what, I I feel like, I watched Terminator 2 a lot when I was a kid, and for some reason, I feel like I saw that one first too, at a sleepover. It was, well, because we're about the same age, and we were just at that age where that would have been, like, a big movie to see. It just came like out Like a Jurassic theaters. Park. It would have been, like, one of those game-changing giant films. Yeah, and it, would have, and it, was, rated, and it was rated R, so we would have, like, not been allowed yeah, to go see the theaters. But we would have been able to rent it. Yes, that's exactly what happened. That's why we saw it at friends' houses. Yeah, and Sleepovers. Yeah. It was a Sleepover movie. We watched that movie a lot. So I feel like I watched that one and then went back and, and discovered Terminator later on, too. I also am excited about Arnold Schwarzenegger because I feel like my... Look how young he looks. Well, he was he's so... Like, t- Terminator 2, he was cool. Then he had a whole segment of his career where he was just cheesy. Like, he was always kind of the butt of the joke. And, uh, like, Jingle All the Way. Or kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten Cop or Junior. Like, any of these movies were twins. Like, you're just like... He was just, like, dong. playing its type over and yeah. over and over again. And big yeah. and dumb. Um but this, I'm like, am I going to get hot Arnold? Am I going to get, like, prime? Oh. Because now, then he became the governor. Like, I can't take him seriously. Oh, wait until, I'll just say, just wait until his intro. His intro? Yeah. He's going to be naked, isn't he? I'm not going to spoil He's going to be naked! Well, what, Finally! Some what, male nudity on this show. One of the rules with, with time travel in the Terminator franchise is only uh, organic material can travel through time. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, skin. So it's like you oh, can't good. bring weapons, you can't bring guns. So that's the reason why the Terminator is like a humanoid-looking thing, not just a robot, because they had to put human flesh over top of the robot to make it be able to travel through time. That's how science works. Got it. That's well. That's how the science works in this movie. So they they could have a human playing a Terminator robot. And I this think. is James Cameron. This is James Cameron's like, breakout movie. Really? This is like pre Abyss and. Oh, maybe not. This is like before he does Aliens 2. Okay. Um, but, oh, maybe Abyss is in there somewhere. I have to look it up. I feel and like- he's not, wait, did he ever marry, uh, uh, who plays Sarah Connor? Linda Hamilton? He was never married to Linda Hamilton, was he? Yeah, I think that's a thing. Was he married to Linda Hamilton? Yes. Is he married to Linda Hamilton? Let's at Google this? that shit. Google copy, that copy, shit. Copy, okay. I feel like. That's something that is true. We're Googling. In real time. You're on it. To the internet. Um, This is produced and co-written. Yes. uh, By Gail Ann Hurd. Do you know who she is? No. She's one of the big, uh, like, top dogs on The Walking Dead series and universe. Okay. So she's, like, big into that. But this is, like, one of her first big things as well. Okay. I think she was Cameron's producing partner for a lot of his stuff in this period. Google has answered me. Um, they were married. They're divorced now. But I think Oh, yeah. Good. No, they're divorced now. But they were married between 1997 and 1999. Very short. Very short. And probably while they were shooting Terminator 2 or just before. I feel like that's after. Terminator 2? Definitely after. Terminator oh, yeah, 2 came oh, out yeah, that before is, that then. Is, you're right. That is after. That is after. So they probably rehooked up on Terminator 2. Rehooked up? Well, not rehooked up, but they probably like started their relationship during Terminator 2. That makes sense. And then got married a couple of years later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, so this would have been their introduction. 
in theory. I, I would assume, and then probably nothing. Maybe they, maybe they, had, maybe they were both married to other people. Let's speculate. And there was, there was, let's speculate. I'm gonna assume that uh, one of them was in a relationship at the time. They enjoyed each other's company, and then all of a uh-huh. sudden they got brought back together on the sequel, uh-huh. and sparks flew, and they were both. It was. They finally met at the right time, although not really because they got divorced two years later. <laughs> so uh, let's, uh, that's my speculation. On so this the, is a love story that we're about to watch unfold. I'm not going to ruin anything. There's, a, there's, uh, there's probably some form of a love story in The Terminator. There might be. I don't know. I'm not, I do know. I'm not going to tell you. You've seen this movie. I have seen this movie. I know all the things. I've seen this movie a few times. Uh, I have a... Um, Oh god, I'm getting the uh, the name. Nerds are gonna scream at me. Uh, the uh, I, I have, can hear them screaming. I have a T-shirt of the company. The the um, oh that makes the Terminators. Yeah, and I, I was gonna like wear it today, but I didn't because I LexCorp or something. Not Lex. Yeah, yeah. that type thing. Um, my brain is fried. I'm sorry, it's a long day. My brain's a little fried. I can't remember the name. I'll know it when we watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. Because it'll be in there. All right. Anything else? What else do you know about this movie? I mean, if I. Uh, uh, you know quite a bit because you know that you know what happens after. I do. It has. It's been a long time. Um, I know it's James Cameron. I know it's Linda Hamilton and uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know there's another dude who's probably Eddie Furlong's father um, from the past, from the future, from somewhere in time. There's a lot of time traveling, so there I can is. only imagine what the logic is to set this whole universe up. So, well, it's almost okay that you watch this movie out of order because, like, some of the sequels take place out of order. They go back and one of the sequels literally goes back and retells the story, but Linda, like, but like the Sarah Connor character has like changed. Okay. They kind of retrofitted. Anyway, they've just, they've fucked up the timeline a few times in ways that you're like, what are you, there's this great podcast, and I can't remember the name of it, I think it's like the Time Paradox something, I'll look it up in between and I'll. There are so many nerds screaming at you right now. I'll give it a proper, I'll give it a proper shout out after, but there's this great podcast and they do, uh, you know, I'll look it up while while I'm yammering, they just literally pick apart time travel movies, uh, and they're super wonderfully nerdy about it. Their um, their Back to the Future episode is phenomenal. It made me think about Back to the Future in a way that I have never thought about Back to the Future. And I am a nerd that has thought about Back to the Future a fuckload. <laughs> uh, it's called Paradox, the time travel podcast. When they're doing the Terminator episode, mm-hmm. you can hear their brains breaking. <laughs> trying to like get the timeline right and talk about the timeline in a way that makes sense to them and they can't because they're just like is this timeline because back to the future goes into like timeline a b and c i think at some point they're like this is happening here and this is happening there right. but when i think in like in terminator world they get into like g's and h's but then they're arguing about which one's which it's amazing but like, you're literally <laughs> watching two nerds in a really delightful way have like a mental breakdown. Is this going to be a hard movie to watch? Like, do I need not a this math, one? Do I no, need no, a no. Math degree to no, do no, this? no, not this one. This one's straightforward and fun and clean. Okay, it's when you get into the sequels and they because it's it's all about time. Tra- no, it's not all about time travel. This one's very simple. It's like time travel, a subject you know lots about. A little bit. I just made a time travel movie. Did you? I did. It will be released in 2020. It's called James versus the Future Self. Check it out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's uh, but this one's very straightforward. This one's like very clean, easy to follow because it's the first one. Mm-hmm. It's when you start, and even the sequel, I would argue, is very straightforward as well. It's when they start getting into not even the third one, which isn't a great movie. Nick Stahl plays Edward Furlong's character. Oh yeah, uh, love me some Nick Stahl. So the third one is where it's is is pretty straightforward as well. It's when they start getting into the non-Arnold movies, like the... Although, is he in them, too? Like, in the Geneticist and the one with Christian Bale. There's all those ones with... Christian Bale? Christian Bale plays John Connor. Oh, that time that he went crazy and somebody taped him. Yeah, that that was the guy came out of that. Right, right. And that was supposed to be his own... Like, they were setting up a whole new Terminator trilogy. Yes. And the thing did not take off. Right. Uh, Because he yelled at somebody. No, I had nothing to do with that. It's just the movie wasn't great. Oh. They don't, they don't care that you yell at people. I blocked that whole thing out. Uh, but So that was supposed to be the start of like a whole new rebirth of Terminator. 
that's the one Arnold's not in. And the movie did not do the numbers they, they hoped it would be. And then it, the TV show, the Sarah Connor Chronicles right, came out. Right, right, in Vancouver. With, with Lena Headley? They shot Lena that. Hedy? No, was that Lena Headley? Yeah. Really? Yes, 100% it was. Nerds, scream it. She, it was her. I, oh, God, now I have to look it up because you're making me second guess myself. Um, but that's when it starts to get um, really complicated about the timeline is uh, is following the third one when they start getting into, like, prequels that are also sequels. No. Yeah. it starts. It's that, that's when it starts getting real confusing. So you don't need to worry about that. Uh, this one is, you will not break your brain on this one. Okay. You should, uh, I, I can't promise you'll enjoy it. I'm excited. This feels like a real popcorn movie. And you know I like popcorn. It's 100% a popcorn movie with extra salt. That's the kind of movie this is. <laughs> like, I like my popcorn. What's it? What's the word? What's the 100%. Word? 31 episodes she played Sarah Cronin. Shut your mouth. Yeah. Anyway, All right. So Thanks, nerds. Go. Don't thank nerd. I looked it up and I knew it was right from the first. Don't thank the nerds. I knew that. Thanks, Jerry. I just needed the internet to confirm it for me because I doubted myself. Thank you, Jerry. You made me doubt myself. I've already started snacking. I don't care. We're going to watch a movie now. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we're back. What were we supposed to learn? Oh, God damn it. The name of the company. Oh, Cyberdyne Systems. And then Skynet is what it becomes later on. Copy. Uh, you were asking, there's a credit at the end of the movie, uh, it acknowledges Harlan Erickson, Ellickson, something like that? Mm-hmm. I've forgotten his last name. Uh, apparently, there's a, he's a science fiction writer, he wrote an episode, he wrote novels and short stories, but apparently there's a, uh, a short story he wrote called The Soldier of Tomorrow that got turned into an Outer Limits episode that is very similar to the opening of this movie and the setup of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I guess there was some kind of a lawsuit or potential lawsuit, and he didn't get a writing credit for it, but he got like this special acknowledgement. Right. So this was on the home release that was not there during the theatrical release. Right. So that was added after. For those who don't know why that credit is there, now you know. <laughs> Doing the world of public service. All right. What are your thoughts, Jess? I have so many thoughts, Chair. Tell me all the thoughts. Um, I think that Arnold Schwarzenegger maybe says like 11 words in this movie. I did not count, but that I... Uh, 22 words in this sure. movie? Sure, yeah. Less well, than 40. He's not really... At this point, his career wasn't really hired to deliver those zingers. I mean, that's all he delivers is zingers. He just delivers that's like fair. one-liners, and that's it. Phrases, yeah. Um, thrilled by the male nudity. Was really excited because I've seen a lot of movies here. I don't think I've. Oh, Ruf- oh Rufus Ruf- woke up for a second. <laughs> male nudity? Did that get you, Rufus? Yeah, he's like, I'm nude. I'm a male. I'm nude. I've been here this whole time. Yeah. Fuck you, Jess. Yeah, what you looking at, girl? Yeah. Um. Yeah, because I don't think I've ever seen that on this podcast before. So I'm. Pretty stoked about that. Um, it seemed like a really long chase scene. Like it's at the end. No, the whole. Oh, movie. the whole movie. Oh, the movie doesn't stop. It's great. It's the like movie. an hour forty-five. Actually, no, it does stop a couple times for dialogue scenes, but not really. Even when when he's kind of giving the exposition, it's during a car chase. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if you're going to do it, that's how you do it. Yeah. The only have- time it stops. Is so they can fuck. No, no, there's that whole under the bridge thing where they like sit around under a bridge and talk for a while. That's where they fall in love, Jess. But that's not where they fuck, Jer. They fuck in a bed. She's not just gonna fuck him the night she falls in love with him. Yes, she is. That's exactly what she did. No, the next night. She fell in love that night and then she needed like him to say it first. This leads us back. She's a lady. This leads. Ladies can fuck whenever they want to. Oh, first of all, I like that. Yeah, let's let's get that straight. Let's but, make that T-shirt. <laughs> ladies can fuck whenever they want to. Yeah, yeah. Let's make that T-shirt. I could never wear that shirt, but Why you not? can. I don't know if I. You could totally wear that shirt. I don't know if that's uh, that's a shirt a male could get away with wearing. Any female could wear that shirt. And you don't think any dude could wear that shirt? No, it's not like nerds sa- chime in. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love that opinion on that. I would love to wear that shirt. I just wonder if I would get in trouble for wearing that shirt. Is it? I came up with that idea. If you were quoted on that shirt, I could wear that shirt. Oh, I see. So if I'm accredited for the quote, then it's okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think it, 
I don't know. Let's talk about other things. Cool. Um, uh, why was I talking about that in the first? Oh, oh, because we noticed there was a discrepancy because in the 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 crawl at the very beginning of the movie, it says that the end of the world happens tonight, but the movie takes place over several nights, like two or three days. Yeah. Yeah, that's bullshit. It's weird. Also, it takes place ten years from now, the future. Yeah. Which you know, I think is probably not. The future takes place ten years from now. The movie is set in the past. The movie is set in nineteen eighty four, but the present day when it's just like a lot of skulls and things running them over. That was a, that was amazing. A lot of skulls. Uh, that takes place ten years from now. Which I mean, let's be honest, that could still happen. Yeah, that's still very much in the cards. Yeah, for I'm not going to be. Like, it's not like Back to the Future, which is past. You're like, oh, look at all the. We don't have hoverboards. I am not going to say that Skynet <laughs> does not happen in the next 10 years, given the state of our planet. I'm just, totally throwing, just throwing that out there. Nuclear war. Totally fair. Um, yeah, the, the, the apocalypse looks a lot like a, um, like a mixture of like claymation and all of the skulls from all of the like Raiders and like Indiana Jones movies just yeah. like lined up. Yeah. Uh, well, it's more robotics. It's, it's stop motion than claymation, but yeah. Same well, same concept. Was it? Was well, it? claymation is stop motion. Okay. But they're using like robots, so it's slightly more. It's basically the same thing. And then, but like, it looked like clay to you. Yeah, a lot of it did, especially this um, the special effects for his face. For his face, the wax figureness, because he is like a wig on through the whole movie. They've dyed his hair, and then at some point they gave him like a fake hairline. Probably to like attach whatever like metal hair thing was going on. Prosthetic of some kind, maybe. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger has always been bald, <laughs> and we didn't that would know be it. Right. Well, the rest of his body is. He's like totally hairless oh, when he yeah. comes from the future, which I think is a re- really interesting thing because every other man in the movie, except for the people from the future, are hairy. But but Arnold Schwarzenegger is not at Michael all. Michael Bean's got some stubble going on, doesn't he? Maybe not when he first shows up. But he's hairless. I mean, from the neck down, like yeah. there are hairless creatures. But which is such an interesting grooming thing because. At that time, being naked and like hairless and a man was not a thing. Was, was Reese hairless? Yeah. Yeah, he's got that Patrick Swayze body. No, oh, that's just because it's the 80s. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's fair. He would not be grooming that way in the future. Or they predicted that a man would all be hairless in the future, which they are. Maybe that's just part of like, maybe we don't grow hair in our chest in the future. Maybe. Yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. Um, what else did I think? I thought the fashion was great. Isn't it really interesting how I was thinking about that and how it's like our fashion now really hasn't changed that much since like the 90s. I mean, what would you make fun of in the 90s that's not around today? Like, oh, God, so plaid? many things. No, like those big like mod robes pants or like the plastic chuchettos that all the raver kids wore there's, or like baby f- tees that say like get shocked across the tits. Like running tracksuits. Or yeah, well the juicy tour tracksuits were a little later. Those were a little later. We're talking like nineties. But it's not the same as like the level of ridiculousness of the eighties. Eighties, you know what it was? It was proportions. Like the shapes were all different. Like the hair was big, the shoulders were big, waists were really small. It's just the eighties really tried some really took some bold moves in fact it's just a lot of things. But I liked it. I liked all of it. Yeah. Um yeah, it just felt like a really long, like they and and I completely, of course, respect James Cameron for being this like great master of suspense and action. But this is his first. I was I, I I was right that this was his first big thing. Like he did some shitty sequel to something, and then it was this. And the Abyss comes way later. The Abyss comes like at the end of the eighties. Oh wow! But this is like his first big movie. He did a sequel to something, which I'm um, just waiting for. Uh, for the internet to come back up to confirm it. Yeah, he's obviously just, you know, shots, tracking shots, and all of the action was really, really impressive. It's just, it's hard to take seriously now looking at those effects because they're just so obvious. Oh, I look at them, and I'm pretty impressed by them, to be honest. Like, I look at some of the, the way they've done some of that stuff, and given the technology they had at that time, it's... For me, I'm like that. There's some impressive shit going on. Totally, but it lifts you out of the film. Like I'm complete. I'm completely aware that I'm looking at a special effect. Piranha Part Two. 
Ooh. was his uh, directorial I would love to see that. Feature I bet debut. Underrated. I'm sure there was something interesting going on with it that it, that it led to this. And then and then two years after this, he does Aliens, the sequel. Do you know? Do you ever heard the story about how he got the movie Aliens? No. So Ridley Scott does the first Alien movie. It's a huge success. Mm-hmm. I think he's not necessarily interested in a follow-up. So James Cameron allegedly is in a pitch meeting. And they're like, what do you want to do next? Like, what are you interested in? And he just walks over to a board and he writes down Alien and then writes an S on the end. And that's it. And they gave, they bought, like, the pitch based on that. It's <laughs> the, is, is the story of... The uh, alleged story. The alleged story of Aliens. And then it's... And then it's Aliens and then it's The Abyss and then Terminator 2 in 91. And then maybe my favorite True camera Lies. movie in 94, True Lies. True Lies is phenomenal. True I haven't Lies rewatched it in a long time. I can't say it ages well, but goddamn, I love that I movie. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't, but very few things do. Yeah, I just remember that movie being really charming in a way. It is very charming. Yeah, and Bill Paxton's amazing in that movie, too. Is Bill Paxton in it? Yeah, he plays some douche that... She, that oh, yeah, that... She, that uh, yes, that Jamie Lee Curtis is having an affair with, or is about to have an affair with. Yeah, I don't think they're actually having an affair, but she's, like, flirting with the idea of having an affair with he's him. He's convinced her that he's a spy. Yeah. That, that he's basically living the life that her husband is actually living. That's correct. Yeah. And then, but he's also, but can't, but, but he's you get a, that great strip tease out of Jamie Lee Curtis on the, on the wood bedpost with. That the, scene's amazing. That is scene is. I remember, because that's 94, I'm like, what, 13 at that time? I'm sure I went home that night and, and thought about that scene a lot. Jamie Lee Curtis is smoking in that scene. Yep. And Bill Pax, yeah, but Bill Paxton is one of um, Cameron's staples. He's in this. He's in that. He's also in Titanic. Oh, yeah. He's in, like, the opening, the, the present day stuff. Yeah, that's right. He's the one that goes to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. So he's one of uh, Cameron's pals. But he's gone now. Yeah, he just died uh, not too long ago. Yeah. Poor Bill Paxton. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. R.I.P. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched this. And uh, so many, like, weird things that bothered me this time. Like, just the fact, like, all those noises the, the Terminator makes at the end when he's moving around that <laughs> apparently the skin seems to muffle really well. Yeah. Yeah, again. This again, is, it's the dated technology. The Foley, yeah. though, on this movie made it for me. Because what I thought was really interesting was they didn't show... A lot of the kills that the Terminator Terminator actually makes, um, or some of the gore that they could have, they probably just they wouldn't it sold better to not show it. But the Foley sold how gross, you know, digging out the bullet was and stuff. Oh like yeah, that. you were you were full on squirming. Did not like it. The eyeball. Did not like the eyeball. Was very angry about the eyeball, even though I kind of knew it was coming because that's sort of a famous shot with him taking his eyeball out in the mirror. I still was not pleased by that at all at all overuse of smoke every scene is like filled with smoke yeah there's also like smoke a lot of there's a couple shots that really sell the future and like that war but it's just that one big tracking shot where it's going along and they're using like either rear projection or something to like combine these animatronic robots but it's just like i'm watching it going oh like he was really Smart about his shot selection and how he just does very little to sell the future. Right. Like, that's what I was impressed by. Right. Just given the... Because I can't imagine this was a huge budget movie. It wasn't small by any means, but it's his second feature. I, I, I should look up the budget, but it's like... It reads as kind of this... I just think for the kind of movie it was and the kind of movie he was trying to make, I think he did a really, really good job. What happened to the lead, the Reese, the lead actor? Like, he just did. Michael Bean? Yeah, where'd he go? He's around. He's done stuff. Really? Michael Bean's done some stuff. He's still around. Let me look up Michael Bean. Yeah, I feel like I saw that twist coming. I mean, I can't remember if I actually knew it on some level, and that's why. Yeah, he's still alive. But the whole he, him being the father of Sarah Connor's baby, who turns into John Connor, who. Needs to be born, but he's from the future and she's from the past. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about because this is where we get into how the sequels are all kind of weird and fucked up, right? Uh, so th- tell me your your thoughts on the concept of 
Kyle Reese is John Connor's father. Right. But he came from the future. Right. How is that possible? He conceived him in the past. How did he send his own father to conceive him? In the past? Yeah. What do you mean? How was John Connor born the first time that he was able to send someone to become his father? Ooh. I have an answer for that. But that feels like a Mobius strip. What's that? That feels like a Mobius strip. Like, it it's, just... But it's not, though, because the, there's the, in this timeline, there's no such thing. None, none of this has ever happened. The Terminator's never come back. Right. This, this is the original timeline we're talking about, right? Right. So there's a theory, a fan theory, that there's a reason why John Connor's always played by different actors. Which is? Well, the John Connor that... John Connor was not... A, Reese was not originally John Connor's father. And there's another man that was John Connor's father. But because of this, because being sent back, Reese, Kyle Reese gets Sarah Connor pregnant. So she never gets pregnant by this other man who originally was John Connor's father. So the John Connor of the future in Terminator 2 is a different John Connor than who would have become the term. But he's been raised now by Sarah Connor, who's been shaped by all of this. Right. Right. So we're talking about alternate timelines then? There's not alternate timelines. There's only one straight timeline because we're, we're, we're staying within, because the movie takes place pretty much in the present. You get some flashbacks from Reese of what happens in the future. But the idea being that there's no sense of anything happening, having come back before or done anything. Right. The idea being that John Connor becomes a new person every time around. Every, it's, what do you it's mean new, every time around? It's always a new John Connor. Right, but I'm not understanding your logic as to why. Because there's multiple timelines, or... There's not multiple timelines. It works this way. In the original timeline, um, this is how I understand it. And this is how this theory goes. Okay. Is that Sarah Connor meets somebody, sleeps with them, Mm -hmm. becomes pregnant. Mm -hmm. John Connor is born. Right. Things go down with machines, right? Yes. Uh, The world goes to hell. Mm -hmm. Sarah... Raises her son to be able to take care of himself, and he becomes this leader of Hmong men. Mm-hmm. And then finds out that the machines are going to send someone back to kill his mother so that he's never born. Right. He sends back Kyle Reese to protect him. Not because Kyle Reese is his father, that he knows is his father, because he's not. He is not that John Connor's father. Right. He's just a guy. Right. He sends Kyle Reese back into the, to protect, just to protect Sarah. Right. Right? But they end up falling in love. They have sex. Sarah becomes pregnant by him now. Mm-hmm. And Sarah now knows about the future. Where before she was never told about any future. Right. So now the baby she has, she names John because she's told her son's name is John Connor. But it is not the same father. It is not the same John Connor okay. that was originally born. It becomes a new person. So are the future movies based on different... In, like I have to keep saying timelines because I don't have another word for it. In terms, well, the timeline of- changes. So even Judgment Day changes after this happens. So like Judgment Day still happens. All these things still happen, but the timeline shifts, and now it happens at a different time because of all the events of this. And that's why there's different actors playing John Connor because he's a different person. Because he's, he's with every movie, it creates a different person. Even in the beginning, did we get to see John Connor in this movie ever? No, I don't think we do. No. So that gets around it. But just the concept being that even, I think, uh, part of the, the message that Reese is told to relay to Sarah is that the future isn't written. Okay. Is it something like that? There's a line like that. So the idea being that, yeah, I, and there's something, I, and, and I th- that makes sense to me, because otherwise it's not a Mobius strip in the sense that it keeps on going around because that would lead us to believe that it had to start somewhere. The loop had to start somewhere, right? I mean, I sure. Yeah. I, I'm not convinced of that, but sure. I mean, yes, in theory it did, but th- we're dealing with some pretty abstract science yeah. fiction here. Anyway, I, I, I look at it, this is the original timeline, and the John Connor from Terminator 2 on is a different John Connor than the original John Connor that we're told about in this movie. Okay. And he he, he becomes a leader still because he's raised to be one. Mm-hmm. And he's always... And I think he... I can't remember. I, I don't have all the sequels, like, super fresh in my head. But I think there isn't... There is even a moment in one of them. It might be the Nick Stahl one 
where he even questions. He's like, I don't even know if I'm that John Connor. Right. I don't know if that's, you know, that's, I've been told I become that guy, but I don't know if I'm that guy. Right. You know, he questions whether or not, he questions these kind of things as well. I I want to believe that's in one of the movies. If not, what a missed opportunity. (laughs) But that's just it, because it's hard to know that it's like his mother is told all these things happen, so of course she's going to become, she's going to make them happen. Well, she's making all these tapes, which was also hilarious to me because she she's at the very end, those, that last scene of her driving off to Mexico and the picture gets taken of her. Um, she's doing like a voice recording tape for the baby. And she says at the top of it, tape 11. T- or seven, something like that. Yeah, yeah, some like high number and then goes, should I tell you about your father? Hmm. And I'm just like, what have you been talking about this whole time? Did you just give this baby your whole biography and leave out these last real crucial bits? We don't know what speed she's recording these tapes on. They could Lord. be real short. They're only she 50- drove to Mexico. Yeah. They're only 50-minute tapes. They're real short. <laughs> she's, she's recording them on the really high-quality, slow right, speed. Right. So that that way, makes sense. That way they... Uh, she know known as a tape deck in the future. Yeah. That... Analog technology was a bad choice, Fucked. Sarah. John never heard these tapes. <laughs> not because you didn't want them to. They just did not survive. No. And it's fine because you were a bad storyteller because you really didn't get to the meat of potatoes till tape seven. Yeah, he got bored halfway through or just lost the tape. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't survive the nuclear holocaust. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's... I, I, anyway, that... I, I like that theory because it makes it clean for me. Okay. And doesn't involve like this yeah. never-ending loop. That's fair. I, I mean, I can just forgive it, and I love that. That sort of it feels that feels to me like nerds justifying James Cameron um, not being able to keep anyone bonded. Because oh, like, in terms of an actor, yeah. Oh no, I mean that's a near, nerd theory and going. It kind of makes it work for that. That's what I'm saying. It's a. It, it's 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 just a justification for. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily explain the Edward Furlong to Nick Stahl because that's technically a continuous timeline. Like, Terminator 2 leads into this other one. That's just a recasting, for sure. Okay. But you could argue that a lot of the other ones are because of multiple timelines. You could go in and be a nerd about it. But I think the Edward Furlong to Nick Stahl one is just like, no, that's just recasting. <laughs> because it is a clean, continuous... I haven't seen the third one. Yeah, it is I haven't a, seen any of them except now the first and the second. Yeah, the first three definitely flow into one another, but because we never meet a John Connor, we never know. We never get to see if it is someone else or played by a different actor, uh, and we just don't know. We don't know if. How did this become a franchise when the f- when the first two movies have like almost ten years between them? Well, I mean, John Connor is what twelve in the second one. The, the, it t- passes in real time. Yeah, but it doesn't need to. Like, this movie sat on a shelf without someone going, we should make a, a franchise out of this for a very long time. And then they dumped a shit ton of movie money into Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah, I feel, well, I feel like Cameron really, he'd done The Abyss by that point. He was really, you know, a hot director at that point. And so I think probably for him, he's always been a technology nerd, right? Like, he's waited now 10 years to make two, three more avid do Avatar we really make movies. them? Do we even believe that he actually made these movies? Allegedly, those movies are you know coming I mean? out. Like, anyway, he... but you know what I mean? He, he's this guy that's been wait, he waits for technology to catch up to his ideas. So I feel like he might have had the kernel of an idea for T two earlier on, but the technology wasn't there yet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. And then he just, you know, Linda Hamilton had clearly aged. Arnold had aged. Right. So he said he just wanted to make the aging make sense. Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing that the, the, the sequels have always had fun with is explaining how Arnold gets older. And it's, he's made of, the Terminator's made of living tissue, tissue ages. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes total sense. I buy And he's got a beard in the new one. He does? Yeah. Oh, God. He's living like a cabin in the woods. I'm 100% in for Linda Hamilton. That's kind of it. Yeah. I'm definitely going to rewatch T2 uh, before Dark Fate. Can I ask? I have so many questions, especially about the supplementary characters. The roommate? Ginger? Is, the, is Ginger? She has a name, Jess. 
Is Ginger also the friend who At the she diner? works with? Yeah. The one who gets really excited about the fact that yeah. someone of her name died. You're going to love this. Check it out. Oh, my God. Are you so excited? It's also the 80s. Like We didn't have Facebook, so it was like, just your name being on television was exciting. Yeah, but it was for like a gruesome murder. Oh, they're young and carefree. That just and didn't. That just didn't even make any sense. To be fair, Ginger gets hers. G- ginger, ginger also ends up on TV oh, later man. on that night. Ginger, Ginger, Ginger. Ginger does not. You know. What about the? Co- I love the cop. The cop station is. They're all trying to do something with very little. I'm just kind of upset that that asshole psychiatrist gets away. He's the only one that lives that sequence. He he walks out just as Arnold's walking in. That's true. He that lives. guy deserves to die more than anyone. It's very true. It's very true. I hated him. I feel like they wanted me to hate I don't know if they wanted me to hate him or they're just like, mental health isn't a real thing. Women are hysterical. Like, it just... I couldn't tell well, he's if He's not making fun of her so much as he's making fun of Reese, right? Well, he makes fun of Reese, but he also sort of when he Reese talks about her dying and he just doesn't care murdered, and he sort of he's laughing. Yeah, and until the, the police chief is like, uh, "Yeah, be a little more sensitive." He's like, "Sorry." So he is. He's like, "His." Oh he's yeah, he, oh, he, oh, I'm not justifying his behavior at all. But he does. He finds it hysterical. Like yeah. he's just. This is gonna make me famous. Yeah, it's it's a shame that guy doesn't die. Who's the lieutenant? I liked the lieutenant. Uh, the guy who's like smoking and taking Advil and drinking cold coffee and his, his every one, trope ever. His name was one. I, well, but they they kind of have some fun with that because he actually he does that for sure. But he also um, he goes to light a cigarette that he's already, and he's already smoking. Yeah. And you and you called that. You like you already have a cigarette, and then he notices right away. Well, because he was doing. Because when he it's took, uh, Paul Winfield. Paul Winfield. When he took, well done, Paul Winfield. When he took the aspirin out of the bottle, it was like one of those clear glass bottles, so you could see it. And uh, it just, it felt like every cop shop, uh, lieutenant's having a hard time. Yeah, and Lance Hendrickson. Full of great, a bunch of great character actors show up in this movie. Yeah. A lot of recognizable faces and whatnot. You've also got... Who else is that one guy that sells him the guns? Is another... Uh, he was in... Um, so here's my question. And I, I feel like you, Gremlins, you can name? sort of speak to this because you know film history. Dick Miller. Sorry. Dick Miller? How'd he get that out? Our friend Avi Fettergreen uh, released a documentary on Dick Miller. He's like one of those character actors that's in just like hundreds of movies. Dick Miller. Anyway. Um... Th- the the movie is eighty percent Arnold Schwarzenegger walking around with semi automatic weapons, just blowing everything that moves to shit. Yes, is this was this the kickoff moment that like the U S became fascinated with automatic weapons being sexy? Like was this it? Because it, it's not a war movie. It's just a movie with a whole shit ton of guns, and it felt very much like a video game. Like the music. The whole score is is you running out of time at, on a level in a Nintendo game. Like it has this very synth, slightly stressed out, paced up. Oh yeah, very synthy. I mean, it's eighties sci fi, so it's like synth is just all over this. It thing. is, but it just felt like you know when when you when the when you are starting to run out of time on a level and it goes do 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 and it gets a little faster and everything speeds up. Like it just felt like all the violence felt very video gamey. Sure. I mean, this is definitely, um, I mean, this is an interesting movie because it's a science fiction movie, kind of. Yeah. But it's also just like pure action, mm-hmm. you know? It's just, it's really, and, and it's it's the least sci, I guess, no, the first two are both this way. Uh, or maybe even the third one, too. I mean, they're kind of light on the sci-fi, really. It's just kind of there to justify a lot of great set pieces. And get you and get you to buy into the concept, but it's like the sci-fi is, you know, with the exception of them fighting a robot at the end, it's just kind of sprinkled in there. Uh, but in terms of like, I don't know if this, I'd have to look in what else is coming out around this time. Because I know like Carlito's Way, and like there are other movies. Oh, there's just big crime. Ga- yeah, well, that's. I mean, the '80s was big on guns and they drugs. Were, but and- this is like this is like Uzis and AK-47s and sawed-off shotguns and well, this silencers is the- and like this is heavy, heavy armory. Yeah, and but semi-automatic, automatic weapons. Yeah, but I think also probably those. Weapons were not available to the public before this time, so I think it's the the two things are happening at once. 
Yes, except that this movie made them look really cool. Like, it's not like they were at war or, like, it, because it's sci-fi, it yeah. sort of elevated it to be sort of, like, otherworldly. So that's, I'm wondering if this was the shift in terms of video games and just culture when, like, having, a, like, a sawed-off shotgun on your back became right. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'd have to, like, dig into it to know if this is, like, one of the kickoff movies of it. This is definitely near the beginning and, and definitely added to it. If right. if not being like one of the uh, the things that kind of like got it started, right? Uh, for sure, this has all. I mean, this thing goes on to inspire so much, you know, in terms of like like even like video games, music, just things. Yeah, you know, fashion. Yeah, fashion for sure. No, but really, like those black wraparound sunglasses yep. and all that stuff, like the that leather jacket. Look, yeah, that look became big. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean. But it, but I uh, I'd have to look into it. But it's definitely like I remember growing up with like movies like this, and, the, and it's just like a lot of guns, big time guns. And you look at the movies of the seventies. I mean, the seventies is a lot of like you have stuff like The Godfather, and like those movies have guns in them, but they're not they're not just like glorifying the violence. They're also handguns. Yeah. They're, they're, Although there's automatic guns in, in the Godfather movies. There are, but they're they're smaller handguns. Like these are like. Assault rifles. These are like massive. Yeah, it's a different kind of thing. Yeah, it really is, and it, it was just so interesting because well, there's a, there's more of a casualness to the violence. Yeah, you know, there's nothing for someone to walk through and just kill thirty police officers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or shoot up a, pl- a room full of bystanders. Like it doesn't. There's no. Um, well, the eighties the eighties is definitely like that era when casual violence becomes socially acceptable in movies because it's also like the beginning of slasher movies uh, in a mainstream way. You, right. you get your like your Halloween yeah. and your Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. and all those movies with again synth. You know, so it's like all that kind of stuff is around the same time, and so it's like it's not just guns being sexy; it's just like violence being sexy and interesting and something to like root for and and get hooked on you know so i mean yeah so there's a lot whether it's like just guns it's it's violence in general is being heightened at this era in the movies mm-hmm. you know and that's in those movies some of those horror movies predate this for sure uh but in terms of the guns yeah it's i'm, it, I'm really speaking more about gun culture specifically. yeah I, I mean again i'd have to look into the what other movies came out like the year before this or six months before this or two years before this but i feel like Without doing that research right now, uh, I'd say this is definitely near the beginning of the catalyst for that, if not the catalyst. Yeah. Or one of them. It's definitely, like, on the cusp of it. It, Or it's contributing greatly to it. Yeah, I think it probably inspired a lot of... But it's not, like, the kind of thing where it's, like, again, like, we were, like, you know, mere babes when this movie came out. Like, I don't remember ever hearing any, like, people that, you know went on Terminator-like kill sprees and pretended to be the Terminator. No, no, but I'm just wondering if it made it... Cool. Yeah, made it cool. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... I'm not talking about the, the aftermath of making guns cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about, is th- was this the moment? The rise of gun culture yeah, in America? Yeah, Was this one of those moments that looking back on it, we can go, oh, I guess this, this threw gasoline on that fire. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're also coming out of the the Vietnam War too, right? Where it's like a lot. There's a lot of veterans out there who are now like more people are feeling they need to have something to protect themselves. There's, you know, we're we're quite far out of the Cold War at this point, but I think it's also just like you know the culture of which is related to gun culture. It's like also the culture of fear is growing. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that it's like, well, I have to protect myself because no one else will, and so I think this is probably. If I, I, I again, I don't, I'm, I'm pulling this out of my ass. I don't know if this is a fact, but it's like I bet you if you look at like, you know, the sales of like handguns and just like people owning their own guns, is going up around this time in a way that people probably didn't own home protection weapons outside of like hunters, the right. way that they probably started to around this time. I'm sure you could look at like gun sales, and you'd see this that you know. A decade before this, it's a lot lower. 
Right. I'm making that up. I could be completely wrong. I don't know. Uh, well, nerds, fact check this for us. We can fact check this ourselves. We, we, a quick Google search will at least give us some half <laughs> No, I like giving homework. Because okay. it makes me feel like people are going to answer us in real time. That's fair. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, but I like it makes me feel that way. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, getting away from... What else? What else do we love about this movie? What else do we love about this movie? Or uh, hate about this movie? I'm what? trying to think. You uh, like the hair? I like the I just... It was so... I mean, it, it, there's so much about the 1980s in this movie that is not has nothing to do with the plot whatsoever, but is just everywhere, whether it be the special effects or the wardrobe or the hair or any of that. You're just like, oh, my God. It's pure 80s. They're fucking to a mixtape on a Walkman. Yes. Yes. They sure are. They Ginger being and secondary characters. Yeah. He calls her on the landline. And she's that guy like was teasing great. her hair. And she's got a Jetson shirt on. Oh, so good. No, also, we were talking about um, the classic hand-clenching or sheet-grabbing in a yeah. love scene um, to, like, to, to tip off the audience as to where they are in a sex act is really funny. And then it ends with, like, her, their hands, like, opening up again. It's like, oh, I guess they climaxed. But what's funny to me about that, once again, is that, like, you get, like, tits off of her. You get some nudity, but it's There's a nipple. Very, but it's a very tame sex scene. Like, you don't get... Much not of a, Cameron's forte at this point. I guess not. He right? really upped his game by True Lies. Yeah, yeah. He knew how to make something sexy by then. Yeah, he figured it out. Yeah, not so much here. No. Just had the music going on. Yeah, it was weird. I I found I found um, whoever played her love interest, who I forget the name. Michael right Bean. I found him very unsettling. He's you kind of need that a bit because you need you need to sell that he might be you don't because what the movie does and it'd be interesting because I'm sure the I wonder what the marketing campaign was like for this when you walk in what you know because when you just kind of watch it straight both these dudes show up they're both naked they're both looking for her. I I think you get the sense pretty early on that it's like Arnold's the bad one but just as a like as a character I found him unsettling which. Which is great. I think that's the right thing. I just didn't really understand why, other than the fact that she's, like, scared, why she's, like, enthralled by him. Because he is this, like, raised in the apocalypse. Yeah. He didn't have the easiest childhood. Whenever she's scared, she she asks him to tell her a story, and he tells her stories that are, like, horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's very little about this guy that is, um, that doesn't just scream, you know, flashbacks. Which he does have. He has like these terrifying flashbacks. He's an undone person. He's got PTSD for sure. Oh yeah, everyone he knows is dead in the future. Yeah, but I also feel like probably everyone from that future is unsettled. I think anyone you sent back would have been fucked up. Which is why that is the right character choice. I just I'm not sold on why Linda Hamilton needs to fuck him because the movie requires her to. This do is so. my point. Like, yeah, I'm not going to defend the movie in that in that range. <laughs> That's uh, I mean I think you could also chalk it up to heightened scenarios. There's a lot of just adrenaline going on. Yeah, but you're she, under a bridge. What else are you doing? Yeah, but this. But she's like, we only knew each other for a few hours. But we loved each other for a lifetime. Yeah, I don't buy that. I, yeah. That's that's very movie. That is very Not movie. the best dialogue in this movie. Some of it's really good, though. There's some great stuff. But it's like, that's also some bullshit lie you tell your kid to make them feel like they weren't a bastard. <laughs> Maybe? I mean, I don't, I don't know. It just, you know what it felt like to me? It felt like it didn't matter. It felt like the movie is a big chase scene. And that part doesn't matter. We don't need to. We don't need to know why she would have sex with him. There's no question there. It's, we just need to know if we would have sex with her. As and an the audience. answer is yes. Yeah, and the answer is yes. So that's yeah. all we need. To but know. they wanted. They. I mean, the whole thing is like to get nerds talking after going. Wait a minute to have those conversations about timeline. It's like how could he send his own father to become his father if he wasn't what? So it's like we're meant to have these conversations. Totally. I just meant more from like a, a character development standpoint. Why for she, her, she made that choice. Yeah, she's the female lead and really the crux of the whole story. But we don't need to. Don't worry about that, honey. Lay back and let it happen. To be fair to the franchise, though, when we see her ten years from now, she is no no uh, no lady on the run. You know, she is a fucking fierce warrior. Oh yeah. So the the movie. 
you know, eventually writes the wrongs of whatever tropes they, they give right. right here. Fair, fair. Yeah. Uh, and in a way that makes it really interesting too, that it's like they set her up as this, you know, a waitress. She's kind of a damsel in this movie. And she even says, she, I can't even balance my checkbook. Yep. You know, it's like, how am I supposed to... She stomps around when she says that too. Yeah. But it's like, by the time the sequel rolls around, she is the Sarah Connor that, that, um, Kyle Reese fell in love with through the stories that right. he was told. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is the woman that he's been inspired by, uh, that he fell in love with, the stories of and wanted to come back to protect. Right. You know, she she turned into that because of the events of this. Because of him. We'll see. But it's interesting. Like, if, if you want, like, a really fun, nerdy, deep dive, listen to that Paradox Time podcast because... They themselves, like, they, I think, uh, they had that, a similar conversation, I think, to what I was proposing, but they get way nerdier because they start bringing in all of the sequels and all the different things. Um, do you want me to get spoilery with you? You don't no, care? No, no, don't tell me. Okay. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Just because one of the sequels is almost a remake of this movie, but they totally go, nope, because it already happened, and now it's happening again, and now this is happening. It's like, <laughs> why? What are you doing? Oh, my head hurts. Uh, I can't remember which one that is. But someone else plays Sarah Connor because she's the same age she is in this movie. Although not. It's a weird... Oh, it's, um, it's the girl from Game of Thrones, isn't it? It's um, Cersei? Well, Lena Headey. Oh. No. Maybe it is. The Mother of Dragons. Oh, yeah. Because Lena's, Lena's also Game of Thrones. She, she's a TV show, though. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know, I had to look that up to confirm that, but that sounds right. <laughs> I'm not going to... I have seen that movie only because it was free on Netflix. I did not hear great the things. The only reason. I feel like I've seen them all, but they get real fucking muddled. So will you see Dark Fate? Oh, 100%. Yeah? Yeah, because I feel like it's really the third movie in the in the franchise. I kind of look at everything after T2 as, as, watch. as like fan fiction. Right. Cameron's not involved in any of them. You know, he's back as a... I think he gets like, you know, some kind of a credit and a really nice royalty check from all the sequels. Right. But he's, you know, his hands are not on them. Where I feel like uh, he didn't direct the uh, the new movie, but he's... I feel like he was probably he was involved as a proper producer this time around or a proper EP. So I feel like this is as close to like his third film in the, in the trilogy that in the original trilogy that we're gonna get. Linda, okay. Linda Hamilton's back. Linda Hamilton. I don't know if I've said it yet, but I'm all in for Linda Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to time this. This this episode will come out along with the release of the new one. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. This is the reason why I wanted to rewatch it and find someone that hadn't seen it, because I am excited to see it because Linda Hamilton's back. Which, again, speaks to the fact that it's like, I think it really does feel like it's her franchise and not so much Arnold's, because Arnold, they just retcon and figure out a fun way to make it logically make sense that he's in all the other ones. She was just so inspiring in Terminator too. Like, we really had not seen a badass female quite like that. I mean, we had Ridley and Aliens, and um, there's been a few others, but... And that's around the same time as this, right? Because Aliens yeah. is... But even, like, in Aliens, she's... You know, Ridley is more than just a damsel. Like, she fights... She's fighting in the end. But it's like, you know, the Ridley in Aliens is different than the Ridley in Alien. Well, also, Again, she becomes a super badass. And we're going, we're, we're straying into a different franchise. But Ridley has alien DNA inside her. Not from the get-go. Not from the jump? No, no, no. That's no. in the second one that she ends up with alien DNA. No, that's when, yeah, that's that's when she becomes reborn. Because what I loved about Sarah Connor is that she was just a bad, like, I, I remember the opening sequence of meeting her in T2 because she's locked up. And she has to break out and she gets like abused by an orderly and she like is doing push-ups and she just is this survivor, which yeah. is so badass. Ridley doesn't just, before, just to button this up, I think Ridley doesn't get the alien DNA in her until Alien 3. I feel like that's an Alien 3 thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. After I, I, I rewatched them all recently because I hadn't seen them all. Um, and I feel like that's true. Anyway, sorry. That's okay. Back to our regularly scheduled conversation. This is all regularly scheduled conversation. Yeah. 
But you were saying something interesting, but my brain was like still thinking about... I was talking about how Linda Hamilton is... No, there is no superpower to Linda to Hamilton to Sarah Connor's character. Like when we meet her in T two, nerds correct me if I'm wrong, but she's like locked up in some kind of institution. Yeah, and being they think because they and, think she's crazy. But she's like being physically abused by an orderly and um, has to like break out. And I just remember. Well, they come that. and they break her out, right? Um, not well. She she, uh, she I think she's in the midst of breaking out, and they show up at the same. Yeah, time. you're right. I think she's already like. On her, on the, yeah, on the verge of breaking move. herself. Yeah. And, they, and they, and I just had never seen a woman play that part before. It was so badass. So I'm excited because I knew that that's what this was going to be, that this was going to be her origin story. Yeah. But even what's great about her, I think even just the way she's revealed in T2, it's just like, it's such a badass reveal. Mm-hmm. And you learn so much about just like watching her for a second. It's like, oh, this is a different Sarah Connor. Time has. Shifted her, mm-hmm. uh, and I never went back. I never watched the TV show. Still don't know if I feel the need to go and check out the Sarah Connor Chronicles. No, I never watched the TV show either. I feel like I'd rather just you know spend an hour on Wikipedia reading the synopsis of the seasons, just to be like, what's the overall story here? Right. Uh, and, and it's, it's like her time in Mexico raising John, I think, essentially, and then, oh. but then. Fighting off, like, a new Terminator every week? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> or But what else would it be? You've got to, like... I don't know. We didn't watch it. Fair. Fair enough. I, I should not make assumptions. But there's got to be some kind of Terminator that she's avoiding during that period. Otherwise... Maybe it's, like... No, maybe it's, like, Amy Sherman Palladino's version. Like, maybe it's just, like, <laughs> her living in Mexico, like, having this life with her son, and they have all this witty repartee while she trains him and gets him ready for yeah. a big life out there in the big world. I will say, in a way, technology almost ruined the sequels for me because it's like, as soon as the Terminator becomes this liquid metal thing that is essentially indestructible, it's like it loses some of the fun. I mean, they still obviously destroy them in the end, but there's something that it's just I really like about how, you know, the the T-101 or whatever the Arnold's model is in this, you know, when he gets run over by a transport truck, he limps. You know, he doesn't just, like, morph into and repair himself on the spot. Like, he wears these scars in a way that I think is something... There's something, I think, just more interesting about that. But doesn't that defeat the purpose of him being a machine? That he gets that he damaged? Get, not damaged, hurt. You're talking about him getting hurt. Not, not damaged. hurt. No, no, but damaged, I mean... That's the ver- a robot's version of being hurt, But that's right? what I'm saying. But, like, uh, something from the future... That- he limps in the, because it's broken, not because he's hurt. He limps because it's like that part of his arm is na- or leg is now not functioning, so he has to drag right. it. That's what I mean by the, the, the limping. Right. He's not necessarily limping. He's dragging it. Sorry. I, I described it wrong. No, 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 no. I just... From, from my money, I actually found that more strange that he, like, um, was breaking down slowly but still on the mission. Do oh really? I mean? Yeah, because from for me it, that doesn't that doesn't track. Because if he was a machine, there would be some sort of like processing fuck up, like the fact that his his um, his mission and none of the, none of his sort of uh, motor skills or anything were really injured. He would just be sort of like melted. Now he has no skin, but he's still on the mission. Like I, I kind of I don't know. I was like they did the we almost killed him a bunch of times. But that was part of it where they're just like, oh, he's never... But Kyle says over and over again, it's never going to stop until it completes his mission. So it's just... Which is why it doesn't bother me in the future when, they, when they're just like liquid metal and they keep coming back in perfect form. Because that is the mantra of these machines. It's that they just keep coming back. But don't you think it's just as interesting that it's like, even though like part of it's damaged, it just keeps on going. What I'm saying is I don't buy. I, you didn't like the fact that they got they don't get damaged in the future. I just think it's that they're just so easy to repair themselves that it's like it's fine because that's what you want. You want your hero to go up against an unstoppable force. Well, no, it's just that is an unstoppable force. Where the thing that limps is not an unstoppable force. It is easily damaged. But he's still going after her. Yeah, but slowly and poorly. Fair. Well, you, you, this is what I like about it. This is what you like about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just like that even though... I don't mind that 
it's burned off. And then he comes out and he walks along and it's, it's slightly bad uh, stop motion. Uh, but then and then they're both just crawling away from each other at the end. Yes. They're both crawl, and you made an excellent point because I was like, how is this thing still going after her with no legs? And I was mad at her for not being able to outrun him because she has legs, and you said that her legs were hurt so that they were evenly matched. Well, she got that thing, they show that thing stuck in her leg, and she pulls it out, even though... It's just so cute. Even though, folks at home, you get shit stuck in your leg. Leave it there. Leave it there. Call 911. Call 911, because you're going to bleed out. That was the thing. I'm like, and now she bleeds out. Now she dies from blood loss. They showed an ambulance showing up. Uh, Yeah. His eyebrows. So he gets set on fire at some point, like 45 minutes before the end. And they blocked his eyebrows out like they do for drag queens. It he looked so jacked up for the rest of the movie. Like, more than any other injury, Arnold Schwarzenegger without eyebrows is a terrifying thing. <laughs> that's, that's how you know he's the bad guy. Honestly, like, he's just sequels, like, waxy through the whole thing. In the sequels, he has eyebrows. Well, because he's T2 then. Yeah. He's new and improved. Are you going to see the new movie? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'll probably see it at some point. I don't know that I'll rush out and see it in theaters. Gotcha. I feel like you owe it to Linda Hamilton. I'd love to give her the box office. When does it come out? Uh, I want to say November 9th. Okay. It comes out very soon. It comes out uh, like a... Just very early November. Could okay. be November 4th. It's in that range. Whatever that weekend <laughs> is around there. It's after Halloween. Definitely. Well, maybe. Beginning, maybe. beginning of November. I'd love to give Linda Hamilton my money. Yeah. Then you should. I might. All right. Any final thoughts? Um, it was nice seeing a movie with you. I haven't done it in a while. It has been a while since it's just been the two of us. Am I still chasing after Norm Wilner for most guest appearances on I this I feel podcast? like Norm's bested you. Fuck. You've been away for a bit. I gotta come back. You gotta come back. I gotta I, come I, I'll figure out the actual tally, but I think Norm's got a, a lead on you now. Cool. Sorry. That's okay. But it's it's you're, you're probably a, an easy number two. That's... What they call me. That's oh. <laughs> Let's leave it on that. <laughs> Thanks for coming over. Thanks, Chair. Let's all go to the Thanks for joining us for the Terminator. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby.